Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so welcome to WGTA On The Road. Yes, it's a quick turnaround pod this Sunday. As game week 13 ends, but game week 14 is just over the horizon in midweek. Apologies for any below par sound tonight. As you can tell, I'm not at home. I'm in a hotel room up in Manchester. I'm up here seeing my sister, so I have my microphone with me. I, I'm using kind of you no know, uh, plug-in earphones, uh, annoyingly. But it is what it is. It's, it's, it's one of those kind of things. I was out last night as well. Shout out to James at Planet FPL. I was out with him last night. So I might be less lucid today, and my voice is probably less velvety than normal, more husky. So sorry for any coughing, spluttering, anything else like that. Um, that could happen on this pod this evening. Uh, big shout out as well before we get going uh, to the guys who were there last night. Zod, Sean, James from Season Keepers, uh, Jimmy, Carrot FPL, met him in real life, really nice guy. Uh, Gary, Johnny Pringle, uh, Andy and Leon. I even met Heskabo in person, Anthony, who I can confirm is not M. Heskey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> the funny thing is that all the Northerners pissed off about 10 o'clock and it was just me and James, like the two Southerners, drinking till midnight. And then we went off and fry, found fried chicken at 2am. A nice place called Dixie's uh, opposite the station. The glamour of podcast in life. Uh, I felt for James there as well with the Burnley game called off, but there you go. Anyway, uh, we are Who Got the Assist. Um, I'm Tom. You can find me on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. My co-host is Anthony at FPL Stag. The lead code is 2IP43T. Oh, you're right, Anthony. Uh, snowy here in Manchester and freezing cold. What's it been like in Dublin? It's been cold, but fortunately it hasn't been as cold as it is in some of the north of the UK. So whilst I was at the FAI Cup final, the Irish FA Cup final this, this afternoon, and did nearly lose fingers because it went extra time so and penalties indeed. So I had the, the full run of uh, an afternoon in Dublin in the freezing cold. It still uh, wasn't as cold as it was over there in England. And of course, there was no yeah. question of the game ever being called off, which of course happened for the first time in a very long time. We had a Premier League game postponed to do with weather. Uh, so that was an interesting one too this week and obviously has had a bit of an effect on scores, um, in particular when it came to those Spurs players. So an interesting game week and kind of brings us very quickly to the next game week too, of course, with fixtures on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday this week. So all is well. Um, but based on that quick turnaround, this is going to be one of those short pods where we quickly run through some correspondence, listener questions and uh, get this thing uploaded basically for people to listen to. And so with that in mind, let's start off straight away with the game week reviews. Um, I think I think you're first actually, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, a decent all round performance this week. Uh, Alan Deep already, uh, yes, unfortunately, yes, yeah, Alan Deep unexpectedly, but um, he came in for Son. Wasn't one of Alan's finest performances in terms of FPL, but look, look, these things happen. Even the greats don't necessarily have a great week every week. Um, I was kind of lamenting my score because I felt like a 55 was a decent score, and then I kind of had a quick look at our Slack mini league and I see that quite a lot of people got into the 60s and I'm just missing out and the real great absentee in my side was Jogo Jota 
Now, I thought when, because Saka got one goal for me, I thought, hmm, okay, well, that's probably the Jota problem uh, mitigated for the game week when he'd obviously scored before Jota even played. But no, no, unfortunately, Jota went and got a brace. And so he, he kind of really kind of smashed my score downwards and meant that I, no matter what happened, really, I didn't have a great week. I was also maybe missing out on decent goalkeeper points because as we flagged in last week's pod, I joined you on Guaita. That didn't work out well. One point, um, if if I just hung on and actually just kept Sanchez, for example, now he'd be have done better over the few weeks than Guaita has. So that's a bit frustrating. I had Cancelo and Rudiger, but they were my only two City and Chelsea defenders. So that kind of meant I didn't have the big clean sheet wipeout that a lot of people would have had who were doubled up on or even tripled up indeed on those uh, defences. I did have Ben White for six points, which was good. And I turned to Alexander-Arnold for nine points, kind of... I didn't get as much out of the Arsenal defence as you know, others did, though, I guess, especially through Ramsdale. So whilst there was a little victory there, it wasn't exactly a fantastic one either. Saka, as noted in midfield, Rafinha with a three-pointer, Salah captain for 12, Tony up front for nine, and Gabriel Jesus with another unfortunate two-pointer. Uh, it, it kind of continues to happen for him that he does well, the points are there, but he doesn't seem to get them. And I'm, I kind of feel like there's a double figure hole in him in every single game you watch him play. Yeah. And indeed, if if he could, if the if Champions League games counted, then he would have had a double figure hole against bloody PSG in the middle of the week. You know, it's just like it, it's there. He is getting the chances. He's just not taking them. Or you know, the world is conspiring to have you know his own teammate in the way in the form of Phil Foden who gets the goal instead. You know, these sorts of moments continue to happen to him while I've owned him and. So as a differential, he just really has not paid off. Uh, but anyway, look, 55 points, it brings me up about 10% of my rank, let's say, to, you know, mid five, four, or just on the high 400Ks, which is, look, it's, it's fine, but I do want to be pushing on at this stage, 476K to give that precisely. So 797 points in total. Yeah, no, fair play. I mean, I didn't do too much better than you to be honest. 57 points to me this week, uh, Really, it's all about the transfer. Um, there's a bit, a bit of added spice this week. So a bit of a mere culpa. Um, I reversed Gundogan and got Jota in last week. I think it was on the Thursday night. He was rising to 7.6. I had perfect money to do it. I looked at the non-pen XG uh, for Liverpool again and noted that it was a massive amount. I think it was 10, 10 uh, non-pen XG uh, above everybody else's, basically, uh, especially above City. I looked at Jota, Jota's data again and just thought, yeah, you know, as objectively, I need to get that done, even though I've been digging myself a bit of a hole about him. And I did it, and it felt great, obviously, yesterday uh, when he scored the brace. I felt a bit hot under the collar today, though. <laughs> Gundogan, goal and assist, uh, 13 points. One less point than Jota. So, one point profit for making that free transfer. Hooray! Um, I guess if it had turned out you know, that Gundogan's undershot Jota a little bit further, I'd be saying something like, it's really important not to be stubborn. And I felt it was best for my team uh, not to be doubling down in a bad position. But I guess the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And maybe I could have left it and had that second free transfer for this midweek. Um, but I felt like I needed to go for it and get Jota at that kind of 7.5 uh, kind of entry price. Uh You've muted yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, elsewhere, it's a bit crap, really. Uh, Guaita, one point. Uh, when uh, Sanchez and Ramsdale both kept cleanings, wasn't great. Uh, ones, two for Cancelo and James, but let's bother about those. I mean, when those goals went in, that was a negative, negative FPL hashtag. Don't celebrate when, but celebrate when bad things happen to other people. Like, you no, know, I thought, well, those people got double Chelsea and double City clean uh, t- yeah, defenders. So I thought, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, nine for Trem, but that's hygiene, really. Jota and Salah, my obviously returned. Other than the field is absolutely useless. And Buemo, absolutely useless. Conor Gallagher, Gallagher, I should say, useless. Rafinha, well, it's more Leeds who are useless. Dan James up front, I mean, really. Um, and up front, Kane missed out. So Antonio came off the bench. Uh, but the big differential success was, yet again, Emmanuel Dennis, his second double-digit hole in a row. Uh, 10 points this week. I started him though this time rather than getting him off second bench. And by all accounts, it was a handful uh, before he was subbed off with a potential injury. Um, I guess he'll be you know, third on my bench for a while though. So a nice passing gift before he disappears off into the reserves. Uh, shout out to us as well for tipping Josh King last week as well. He's now second for non-pen XG among strikers in the Premier League. Um, uh, in FPL, I should say, actually, um, uh, according to FB Ref. So yeah, 
Uh, very, very nice. And it's a Joshua King, all those uh, Norwegian football fans going wild. Those striker fans, Anthony, absolutely loving it. Right. Uh, so that takes me up to 205k. I think I climbed like 25k places. So a bit of a tread towards the game week. I think next week, again, there's going to be a trading awards tournament, which we'll come to at the very end. Objectives, very, very quickly. Um, anything particularly standing out here for you, Anthony? I don't think any of these quite apply to you, do they? No, no, nothing really. I Captain safety was um, as per usual there. Didn't take any hits. In fact, I rolled my transfer, so I didn't make any late transfers or anything like it. And there isn't really any questions about any of my elite players as it stands right now. So no, no questions on my ones. No, fair play. Captaincy, I feel like I should, I've got to keep saying it, but yeah, I did. Is that, it's Salah, so, you know, no question there. But maybe there are some questions actually later on. 50-50 uh, situation, I say here, take a hit. But Gundo to Jota was a 50-50, and I decided to go with it following the form, I suppose, in, in kind of the common with number three as well. Uh, transfers take a chance on form. And Liverpool were doing very, very well on the underlying data, and obviously that was being expressed on the pitch. Jota slightly less so, um, but you know, he, he had scored a goal, and his underlying data was very, very strong. So I decided to go with it, basically, and got away with it by the skin of my teeth. Um Quickly on the mini league, a um, few moves and shakers are recording pretty much straight after the game weeks uh, just ended. So not everything's up to date yet. Uh, what I do know is that we've got two new entrants to the league going straight into the top 10. Um, first, though, Daniel Mind with Steadfast FC clings on just by five points, 65 points for uh, Daniel this week. Uh, but second in new to the mini league is Kevin Walsh. Uh, with 62 points, 953 points, so just five behind Daniel. Good time to enter the league, I guess, when you're absolutely killing it. Um, that means that poor old Graham Murray is pulled down to third, um, not too far behind Kevin, actually. He's only five points behind him. Got 56 this point, uh, 56 points this week, though, so it kind of made sense why he got the rev. And fourth up from zip is Christian Mitanovsky, King, 68 points this week. Um, in fifth, up from eighth, Robert Paul shakes and waits, uh, goes up from eighth to fifth, 67 points. Uh, this all means that uh, Billsabub FC, uh, sorry, Billsabub's 11, uh, Richard Carswell, 55 points, goes down from third to sixth. Uh, Arafa, Mohamed Arafa, 64 points isn't enough to stop him dropping just one place uh, from, uh, seventh, uh, from sixth to seventh. In eighth, Sean McGarry, who's been in the round the top 10 for the majority of this, uh, of this campaign, is back in the top 10, up from 11th. In ninth, some dude called James Carroll, uh, who I believe was on our podcast, finally pulled his finger out and decided to join the bloody mini league. Of course, that happens to coincide with him being in the top 1K. Uh, so well done, James. 61 points this week. He uh, joins the mini league in ninth, um, but we probably need to close it soon to stop miscreants like that joining uh, just to get my name read out on a podcast. I'm glad that the audio isn't good here. Uh, so uh, it, it doesn't do, it, it doesn't mean, he, he doesn't get like a really, really nice sort of readout. He gets like a bit of a fluffy one around the sort of time that we poor audio. In 10th, all the way up from 70th. 70th, that's a huge jump. Andreas Stutz, uh, Stalheim, uh, 79 points. That's a huge week. Um, he brought in Jota and Dennis this week. So some quite uh, interesting transfers there. Um, as I said, 79 points, uh, just three points behind James in ninth. And he's actually joined 10th with Bantusal Oxymoron, uh, Paola FC, 65 points for them, uh, 22nd up to 10th. So very well done. Good going. 60s, something like that, as we were saying earlier on, enough to get you around. Market forces, Anthony, uh, what's going on? I mean, we literally just, as I mentioned a second ago, finished this game week, but I'm guessing there's a lot of uh, reaction to what's just occurred. Yeah, and, and most of it really is following the man that we've already discussed a little bit already in your own team review, <clears throat> and that is Diogo Jota. He is the most transferred in player right now, 217k transfers in as a stance right now, which kind of puts him far and away ahead of anybody else. The second most transferred in is uh, Reese James at Chelsea, just over 100k transfers in. People not too put off by the fact that he faces Josh King and Dennis next uh, in the next game against Watford. So he's now um, 6.2 mil. Looks like he's going to go up any even further, probably before those game weeks go. He, the interesting thing about him as well there is that 
this uh, Man United game was the first time he played 90 minutes this year and didn't end up hauling. So um, a nice reprieve for those of us who didn't own him. Then it's really a smattering of players uh, making up the rest of the top 10 and top five in terms of transfers in with about, you know, 50-ish K transfers in. Those kind of just will name a few of them. Conor Gallagher, Bernardo Silva, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, and uh, the aforementioned Dennis is also in there too. In terms of transfers out, the lead transfer out is actually quite interestingly Ben Chilwell, and that's obviously being kind of driven by his injury. Um, he is I've been transferred out by 163k managers right now, so I guess that's what's driving the traffic towards Reese James. People going for James ahead of Marcus Alonso, uh, as it it seems based on that. Um, then in terms of transfers out, Phil Foden, uh, Ismail Assar, uh, Ben Rama, and then really it's a smattering of players like uh, Shane Duffy. Uh, Damari Gray and uh, Mikel Antonio as well actually is the most transferred out forward with just 38, 39k transfers out he's just ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo so really it's just a lot of people reacting quickly to try and find ways to get Diogo Jota and Reese James into their side basically sending out injured players it seems I got you exactly I mean really paint by the numbers stuff of the transfers thus far I'm not sure people should be jumping in on Dennis though he came off injured uh, Ranieri so he didn't know what the situation was with him so it's one to keep an eye on if you're looking at him thinking, I want some of that double-digit action. Probably uh, one to keep an eye on, especially with Chelsea up next, who are a decent defence. Um, right, so we move on. No key topic today, as mentioned, straight into the correspondence. And this week, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those classics, but one that's worth talking about every now and again, nonetheless, isn't Anthony? Yes, indeed, Tom. So the, the correspondence section is a section where people can send in their long-form questions, their thoughts, their addendums to previous pods, or indeed songs, poetry, or anything else, usually to who got the assist at gmail.com, though other means of contacting us, such as WhatsApp, DMs, etc., can be useful too, if you want to get into this section. This man is called Ski, uh, emailed in in early October, actually, so it's a, it's a little bit back now at this point that we've got his email, but such is the correspondence section, we're just inundated with stuff all the time, and we just about got around to this one now. Anyway, Ski went as such. Hi guys, avid listener of the pod since inception. Enjoying the chat a lot more than my current FPL rank of 800k-ish. I hope it's improved since Ski. And that leads me on to a more macro question. For those of us unable to watch live football or even struggle to watch highlights because of kids and jobs, etc., one option is to rely on interpreting stats as you see fit and the eye test and other FPL players on, that other FPL players provide on podcasts, on Twitter, on Reddit, etc. Given the eye test can have such a gut feel and therefore be quite a personal subjective judgment. Do you have any advice for those of us in this situation? I'm migrating through this process, and although multifactorial, I'm finding FPL far more difficult. There has been a notable decline in my own personal FPL performance as life events interfere, and whilst I have a relatively laissez-faire attitude to the poor game week, or multiple successive poor game weeks in my case, I'm starting to wonder if there's actually a thing or just our old friend variants. Keep up the good work, guys. Cheers. Ski. So an interesting question that Ski has kind of provided there, and it's basically asking us about, you know, if you're not able to watch much football, how to what extent can you trust other people's eye tests or just raw stats in and of themselves? Tom, yeah. do you have any thoughts on that? Obviously, a busy weekend for you in Manchester, so maybe you're well-placed to... Yeah, well, I haven't seen very much at all, actually, um, this game week. I mean, my hands up, I've been with my family the whole time. And obviously out drinking, so um, I'm afraid I haven't seen too much football this this weekend. I, think I saw a bit today, um, seen sort of the match today highlights, and I got in last night. The sort of thing you do at three a.m. when you're when you're just having a, a water before you go to bed. But I guess in answer to this question, I, I guess we'd always say balance. You know, we're always going to favour melding the eye test, the subjective side of it with the more objective sort of stats overview, bearing in mind behavioural stuff, you know, research bias, confirmation bias. But I guess as well, when you're trying to find out other people's opinions, it's the lens, it's through the lens of their perspective too. So, you know, you can get their view on the data sort of thing, that research bias coming in. I guess there's a few kind of tools that I, or things that I would use if I was not able to watch as much football and I was making my decisions kind of, Third hand, second hand, sort of thing. The first kind of main tool that I'd use is FB ref slash stats bomb. I mean, I think that's probably best for team and player stats. I can't recommend it enough, basically. Competitions, Premier League, squads and player stats, standard stats. There's a whole kind of table there. And if you want to make it extra simple for yourself and live just live in the expected data, 
specifically non-penalty expected goals and assists. Um, if you're picking out a player, that's very useful. Um, use that as a measure to judge what you do next. So, you know, they rarely lie. I mean, you might get an odd, the oddity like my pal Brian and Buemo, but mostly they're fairly dead on my jotter this week. And it's an advantage in some ways. You know, you're shorn of that personal subjectiveness things that have plagued me in the past so you know I've, I've hated watching Jota in my team in the past so that came into my thinking last week when actually I should have made a more objective decision um FPL voices wise including ours there are very many out there I just say don't overcomplicate and stick to the handful you genuinely trust for example I was saying to James last night um that I listened to those guys as kind of a counterweight to us kind of like a check and balance to see if you know what our data data centric mostly analysis has said is backed up by their sort of eye test reporting of the games and normally yeah this season um we've kind of synergized pretty well similarly on socials if you trust someone or find something particularly handy you know like big man because of fred fpl architects uh corf fpl they do you know those game week preview threads if you like them if you trust them stick to them um, and finally there's one other thing you can look at which we do cover every week which is the market you can just follow it. I know it sounds a bit sort of overly simplistic, but there's always going to be, you know, a reason why players are being brought in. I mean, yeah, there are always those sort of you know, duddy weeks where things make zero sense. You remember a few weeks ago, people were shifting Ings and Alonso after five weeks of them not playing and buying you know, Antonio for some reason. But normally points correspond to ownership and normally points correspond to ownership rises. So if you're not sure, you haven't had the time to really look at it, there is wisdom in the crowd, although I'd understand if you were you were kind of reticent. So there you go, FBref slash stats bomb, being selective with your sources and the market. Those three things I think would be kind of the way that I'd get around not being able to watch as much football as I'd like. To be honest, Tom, I think you've pretty much very succinctly put together my own thoughts on this as well. So there's very little for me to add, only that I'm very reticent to rely on pretty much anybody's eye test. Um, I just find that people look to see what they want to see often. They're so frequently, you know, they they especially when it's FPL managers we're talking about, they give their takes based on FPL points, not what actually occurred, unless it's something glaringly obvious. There's never really much given for good performances or, you know, things looking good. It's It's very much just what occurred and therefore the opinion is kind of, edited and sculpted to tally with that and so with that in mind i'd be i'd be i'm very reticent to rely on others and i think i'm becoming more and more data heavy the further i go on with things that said when you i find that you know opinions of others are very useful for if you're just trying to kind of get an idea of what's going on with the team formationally or in terms of which players are more likely to be nailed week by week if you're just if you don't watch their a team you know gospel week in week out then sometimes it's the people who watch that team week in week out have a far better idea of what's going on and who's actually stuck in that team and who doesn't just yeah, happen yeah. to be there and you know whose performance you know and who getting in you know x positions wasn't just you know accidental quirk of that particular game and is actually something that the team tries to do as part of the way it like they set up to play or whatever and that's where i find the other opinions are useful but just in kind of the overall macro of deciding on fpl transfers and you know the basis for doing so i try to avoid really listening to um others too much um on that particular aspect of it uh, yeah. but that's me anyway uh, on that particular question so thanks very much ski for sending in that email to the correspondence section yeah ski emailed into who got the assist at gmail.com you too can do the same and have your question or whatever it might be featured in this particular slot Cool. All right. Let's move on to listening to questions this week. Um, I had a tiny bit of time before we came online just to kind of group them together. The thing is that obviously there's a few sort of, I guess, little bits and pieces here and there to run through rather than, than there being. Maybe there's one kind of overarching question that we'll come to in just a bit. But you know, we'll, we'll run through all manner of sins because I'm sure there'll be loads of people with little little kind of bits and pieces out there that they're looking at with their own teams. So hopefully we'll be able to cover off the majority of those in sort of a quick fire format. The first really is, um, well, Craft actually asked us a few questions, um, but I think they all are actually quite useful. And the FL Dabby also is part of this particular sort of question cluster. Um, first question from Craft uh, at Langerschlanger92. Um, good friend, actually. I think he's... he's um, I've been speaking to him for many years actually. Um, he asked them, "How much longer should we hold on? Should we hold on to Antonio? Um, is a Vardy-esque return on the cards?" So, as Andy was saying last week, maybe 
uh, last week, well, this week was the time to be selling Antonio. And perhaps we're at the point now where we may just might as well just hold on. I mean, the last kind of little while for him has been pretty poor, hasn't it? Um, really, it's it's not been the... It's been one of those things that I've, I've had other things to do elsewhere. So he's just kind of stayed there. But game weeks one to three, Antonio scored 40 points, eight returns. Between game weeks four and 13, he scored 25 points and only got two returns. So how long, Anthony... Do you think he can dine out in people's teams on that kind of gamey one to three explosion? Getting definitely harder to hold him. I think I was of the opinion that he's just he was worth holding, um, as we discussed it last week. You know, the chances kind of, uh, by all accounts, seem to have kind of fallen his way. At least he wasn't completely isolated. Let's say put it this way, in the city game. Although you know there wasn't exactly any like gilt-edged moment or whatever that would give you serious hope for him. I noted last week when we were talking about his underlying stats that he had was still getting you know a decent shot total, but so few of them were going on target that it kind of it was almost alarming. Um, the extent to which he just was seemingly shooting errantly now with Brighton up next okay that's a tough enough game the Chelsea game is tough but then you Burnley away and that's kind of a game that you might want him might want to have him for and the Brighton one even isn't of itself all that you know eh, whilst Brighton are always you know statistically quite decent you know you'd always fancy a robust forward like Mikel Antonio to um, make hay while the sun was shining there and so, it, and don't make the smart comment about the weather. <laughs> that, uh, you know, indeed be sun shining. You'd, you'd kind of, you just wouldn't think that you'd miss out. And I think this is what you were saying about with Antonio last week, Tom, is that he is the type of player that, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see him score against anybody. And so therefore, as a matter of anything, you're just like, oh, we'll just leave him there and wait and see what occurs. There is maybe, this is what we were talking about last week with an issue with him, is that where would you go to next with him? And... I'm still not sure if there's, you know, very clear answers there. Okay, you could say the Watford forwards. This wouldn't be the week that you'd want to get one of the Watford forwards in when they're playing Chelsea. Former underlying stats be damned. Um, and so, with that in mind, is it a punt on like a Callum Wilson because they're playing Norwich, for example, that yeah. you'd be looking at? Um, and, and this is kind of what Andy was getting at. Is just like this is why you wouldn't be selling him necessarily uh, right now. And, I'm inclined to stay a little bit longer personally, purely because of all the value that's tied up there. That it's just like I'm, I can't turn back if I do sell him. But I have fires that I want to put out that mean that I'm not looking to sell him. Uh, just maybe run through some of Kraft's other questions about Jota. Should he be a priority for those of us who don't own him? I, I'm starting to feel very foolish not owning him this week, and I'm kind of looking because I've, I have a Saka injury and I've now got my two free transfers. I'm kind of in a decent position to trade up, find some money and find a way to get him into my side. And so with that in mind, I think even just as it's not even a coverage thing because there's still, you know, a decent EO advantage to having him in the side, but it's just as much as anything, just because, you know, the, the Everton game isn't the type of one that you would expect him to be rotated for. And then uh, after that, Liverpool have, you know, Wolves, Villa, Newcastle, like it's a decent enough run of fixtures that you wouldn't be too sad about being doubled up on. Uh, the Liverpool attack for it and so with that with, with that I'm thinking maybe I'll just get him and then the other question was about Sancho uh, no not for me just United need to figure out what they're doing a little bit more uh, before I would ever think about bringing in any of their attackers not to mind Sancho who presents such a budgetary problem to get him into your side that I just don't think it's worth doing personally yeah, I mean, Jota, just to mention has jumped up to second uh, in the Premier League uh this season in terms of non-pen XGI, you know, took Sadio Mane uh, to this week. So at that price, the judgment I made wrongly and then corrected, I suspect loads of you will be looking at that. And Everton have been so poor defensively. I mean, they were a little bit better today. Um, but Liverpool as well, their attacking numbers, their underlying data is so good. But you look at that Everton game and you think that that could be a massacre. I thought the Southampton game could have been a massacre. I could see Liverpool winning that game by three or four goals. And Jota's involved in the moment. Like, classic Jota, we didn't get the hat-trick, basically. It was just him getting in his own way. Uh, but the numbers that game speak, speak for themselves, to be honest. Sancho Wise. I mean, uh, Dabby said, you know, uh, great night of fixtures. Sancho's playing well. Everyone got on the Son and Kane for the new manager bounce. So surely we should apply that logic to Sancho. I think I agree with you in a few ways there, Anthony. I'd also say that Son and Kane have that FPL pedigree. Um, there's also going to be, obviously, upheaval now. We don't know how Ranić... Well, I mean, 
you'd imagine that Rang, Rangnick is going to be playing statistically, he's probably his best player in Sancho and building the team around him. But we simply don't know. Um, and I think that it might be useful to give it a little while yet just to see how it all fits together. Because it could be, you know, that Rashford's a better option. It could be, you know, that someone from left field, a Van der Beek or a Martial could come out of the wilderness. We just don't know at this moment how Rangnick is going to be setting up. Um, good run of fixtures are coming. We know that we've scouted them out pretty much at the start of the season. Maybe a bit too of an, a bit too much of an eager beaver, though, uh, to be buying him straight away. So I, I agree with that completely. Uh, pick and mix number two. Uh, Camran um, asks, should we stick to Ronaldo or swap to Kane slash Vardy? Um, I think that just to cover that off, so I think we're probably both going to agree. There's not really too much going on in the striker slots right now, apart from Vardy's sort of, you know, renaissance this week to some extent I reckon you just stick to Ronaldo now wouldn't you Anthony would you I, I'm not sure if this if I would to be honest stick to Ronaldo just like that okay. the, the, the Arsenal game is going to be a tough game for United um, the, the fact that Ronaldo came off the bench was um, interesting to put it mildly it's just like where where is that going with Carrick for the next you know just where are they going with this? Are they finally trying to do what the sensible thing with Ronaldo and make him a glorified super sub? Because I think that seems like the most structurally sound thing to do with the team. I don't think they can. Um, but I've just, I kind of, I ponder the extent to which he will yeah, continue okay. to be nailed through this Christmas period. Whilst the fixtures are unbelievable there, right now I just feel like you're probably bleeding points trying to make space for the now 12.4 mil forward that he is um, uh, with, you know, still an awful lot of uncertainty about how United are going to stop the rot how United are going to play against packed defences because they can't really seem to string together complex moves and whilst they've been very good at finding a magical spark every so often in games this season it's just obviously proved not to be enough um, for to Ronaldo to justify his price up to now and so I think I'd like to see a little bit more before getting him now the thing is, is that what Cameron was asking about Kane or Vardy for him Okay, yeah, Vardy's had a good week. Leicester have pretty decent fixtures coming up. Um, Spurs, you could say, have decent fixtures coming up, but like Kane hasn't had a good week in a long time. Uh, so with that in mind, I guess I'd point him towards Vardy if he wanted to put his money into an elite player, but maybe there's midfield options that he might be that might be better worth your budget right now. Yeah, okay. That certainly makes sense. I mean, Kane's got two newly promoted teams next, so if you want like a, you know, a small bang, could be worth looking at. But as you said, Vardy is one of those where you've got the longevity of the pick and you've got a bit of money to play around with. So, I mean, there's an argument to stick with Ronaldo and just kind of think, well, it's a good fixture to come in. Depends if you've got other fires to play out as well. Um, obviously, it's very kind of team-specific. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd be tempted to just kind of give Kane a couple of weeks. But, I mean, that's probably just legacy of me thinking that Kane does well against newly promoted teams, which he has done in the past, uh, Maybe that kind of new manager bounce is finally going to come underneath the Spurs. Who knows? Yeah. Right. Uh, Wolf uh, asks the underscore 21 underscore Wolf. What do we do with Foden? It feels like limbo. He says he's already got uh, my beloved Jota in his team. So Foden owners, uh, I guess you hope it, holding out hope uh, that man is going to be fit on midweek. Um Obviously, if you if you do have Foden and you're kind of looking at Jota, that's the move probably to make at the moment. It's just an obvious one. I wouldn't overthink it too much. But if you're in a situation, Anthony, where you do have Jota, you've got Foden sat there. I mean, would you be advocating you know a side shuffle to Gundogan perhaps or Bilva, or would you be kind of saying to go elsewhere? Yeah, it was quite interesting to see Bernardo Silva um, having such a prominent position in the market forces just for the I guess for the type of player he is you know he, he chips in with you know five six seven goals a season and he's more than able to get you know a few assists but he isn't really the type of player you think from an FPL perspective and so he it certainly isn't one I'd be thinking about about Gundogan having a big haul definitely kind of you know brings him into sharp focus in a way that he hasn't really been so far this season certainly it hasn't been like the Gundogan period of last term um, up to now um, but there is there are arguments to be made for getting him into your side and just the fact that just given the amount of injuries that City have in their midfield, he seems to be relatively nailed as City midfielders go. So yeah. you've got you've got Villa Watford Wolves 
leads Newcastle in the next few for City. And so it'd be nice to have some attacking coverage with them. Like for that reason, I'm keeping Jesus on my side, no matter what I seem to do um, on you know similar grounds. Uh, Mares Ditto, you could kind of point to as an option. Um, but I think either way, you'd be looking to sell on Foden. The question is, is if you'd look to any of the other midfield options. I don't know, Tom, do you think that... Um, you know, some sort of gamble that wouldn't involve getting, let's say, Son into Wolf's side might be worth doing. Bit of a punt on a, a James Madison type character who's obviously yeah. had a very good game for Leicester this week and with those good fixtures that Leicester have coming. Um, I'm not so certain. I'm not so certain what the clear trajectory is. If I was to say, I would say, try and find a way to get Son personally. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, this was Madison's first kind of. Big day. Full, full, yeah, it's his first big day for quite a while. He's he's 6.6 million at the moment. So you could be saying, you know, he's turned the corner. But those 16 points, I mean, those are those those aren't points that I'm going to be particularly worried about missing out on, to be honest. Um potentially Harvey Barnes as well could be thrown into that sort of bracket. No, you no, know? no, you know? no, 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 um, no, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um <laughs> I know, I know you hate the guy. Um it really is one of those where you're in a bit of a difficult situation at the moment um if you've already got these guys in situ because you are you are casting around thinking who am i going to get in for longevity's sake and we mentioned for example last week um and mentioned a few times in the past maxwell corne uh, bernie have got good uh, good fixtures coming up he is out of position uh, but his conversion rate is obviously outrageous so is he going to be able to keep scoring half of the goals half the shots that he takes on goal Possibly not, um, but Burnley don't play a top four team until the last game week of this calendar year, i.e. game week 20. So the next seven game weeks, um, all probably games that you know, you'd at least think you might get something in. Hmm. Hmm. Another option could be, um, and maybe we, we maybe link this in to the next question from Dummy Tom, who asks what we're going to do with Mbwemo, the carpenter. Um, another thing you could do is downgrade entirely and get a fourth defender in or a fifth defender or, or get another defender in um so you've got Mbwemo you've got Foden it depends obviously or so team specific um, but you could find a way for example to turn Foden into somebody a little bit cheaper um, and finance yourself towards Alonso or finance yourself towards getting a Diaz or a Walker because as I just mentioned earlier on those fixtures for Man City are very very good this time last year they ground out you know I think it was 18 wins on the bounce and it was you know, 11 of those were clean sheets I remember if I remember correctly so having double city defence could be a call as well I do think Gundogan for, for Foden feels a, a decent move at the moment um, and I think that for Mbwemo what I'll definitely be doing probably in two weeks time game weeks time that is so next weekend will be taking him down to Gilmore or Basuma or something like that and uh, upgrading a defender to give myself a fourth defender which defender that is, I don't know. Um, but I mean, that's something for future Tom to worry about. Anything that? Or are you moving on? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm finding it hard to have much to add to that one, to be honest. It's, it's <laughs> the, the, that, that, that cheap midfield slot is a kind of a difficult one. And I do think, yeah, Tom, that like looking to just beefing up the defence is probably the most sensible thing to do, if at all possible. Yeah, same thing we covered pretty much last week in detail. Yep, pretty um, much the whole part. Oh hey, defensive! Hey, defensive questions, Anthony. Wow, amazing. Um, Whoa, I know. I, 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 what, what I'm going to do is just kind of I mean, the first question is from Wesley, who asks, um, "I have Edison and Sanchez in goal. That's too much money, isn't it?" Yes. Yeah. yeah you, yes, you, Wesley. You, they, they, I, I I appreciate the investment and in making sure you got points from the goalkeeper position, but that is a lot of money. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't need that. Um, and the FPL Yogi with four in the four at the back being in both. I was talking about who is the best fifth man? Livra, White, Lamptey, whatever. Um, I mean, uh, Mister X Lamptey has been subbed for two clean sheets. I think he's been subbed off in the seventieth, eightieth minute, and it's one of those again. His average position. I think he was second furthest for the last game. Um, loads of dangerous balls into the box. Just needs a striker who can finish. I mean, Mopay's miss. I I've watched that back. My lord, that is that is the miss of the season. Um, but he could be one who's interesting. Obviously, maybe this week's a bit of a difficult one uh, away at West Ham. Um, but in general, the four point four could be great value if he stays fit. Um, but your man Ben White is quite a solid kind of 
like love and leave, isn't it? The same way that you know I've got what's it, Connor Cody, I just stick on my bench and he can come in when he likes or not. Like I, I've got no worries about him playing ninety minutes. I think he'll play pretty much every game. Um, and I guess if you are messing around with your fifth defender, you want to have that sort of certainty that are going to be coming on. That certainty as well that they're playing for a kind of vaguely defensively solid team. With that in mind, I think probably you just about put White above Cody in terms of um, in terms of relative relative strength of defenses. Um, what do you think? Boring player well, like that. I had to make some a decision like this a, f- a few weeks back when I. Uh, made some defensive transfers to get transfer Alexander Arnold back into my side, and I, when faced with keeping one of Cody and White, I chose to keep White and sell Cody. Now, in the short run, that hasn't worked out too well because Cody has had two particularly decent game weeks um, with a, a six and an eight, and White only has one clean sheet in that period, so not quite as good. But I think over the longer term, the fixtures just favoured White, and that is why I kept him. Lever is an awkward one, um, and a question that. I haven't quite solved myself because I'm I'm looking at him in my side and I've kind of I, I kind of felt like he was unbenchable for a period when he just seemed to be kind of popping up constantly and I still kind of live in fear of missing out on Libra points and I, I bench him with a really odd amount of fear uh, for a defender that plays for Southampton. <laughs> it really yeah. is odd. Um, if I was to pick one of them, I think personally, I think I'd just pick White. And I'd upgrade Livramento. I just feel like, you know, White will take away with points. And while Livramento might provide you with the big attacking return that makes you purr, you probably aren't going to get enough clean sheets with it to kind of make it worth it. Um, and it's just like, look, you can, White is just so cheap that it's just so handy to kind of have that 4.4 million entry into the Arsenal defence. I got him at 4.4 as part of a wildcard shenanigan. And um, he has been pretty much in my team all the way through. So yeah, he'd be my fifth man if I was to pick one. Yeah, if you can get to Tommy Asu at 4.6, another decent shout. Creates a couple of chances this week. Got the six yeah. as well. I think I've got 12 points, didn't he? Um, yeah. So another one that if you can reach could be worth doing. But maybe you'd be looking at Tommy Asu and thinking, why aren't I playing you? I think it's all about kind of what you're comfortable with. That's why I'd say someone boring like White, Cody, the sort of player you're happy to bench. You're not going to be worried about the points that they've left that you've left on the bench potentially with them. Like, you know, like Cody got eight points for me this week, six points for me last week. Doesn't bother me because I was I had never never had any intention to play in the guy. But if he comes on, fantastic. All right. Last kind of couple of questions. Salah Craptoncy. So FPL Bow and um, game weeks 10 to 13 has been the Salah Permacap era. But 14 players have scored more of the same number of points as Salah during this period. How long will the fear of one goal in four games? Um, how long will Salah be our captain for, basically? And uh, Jamie at Weeds 1990 asked something very similar. With Salah cooling off slightly, can we finally risk other captains, Anthony? Um, I think maybe we should probably probably tie this into our transfers and captains too um and uh, this week hey there's the captaincy iron band it's on Mo Salah uh, for your bus team yeah I think that is as much as anything just because you know if I was to be hit by a bus and the the, the real idea of the bus team I might, I'd be just quite happy to just leave that armband there um ad nauseum um, even when he's in at the AFCON I think he might still find a way to score gold in the FPL so with that in mind I'm kind of <laughs> just kind of struggle to do anything but put it there I do think we're actually moving towards a position where we can consider moving the armband away from Salah like you know at the end of the day it was never banned it's just that it just came to the point that I think there was such a there was such an understanding, I guess, around everyone that Salah's points were going to keep going and we all just collectively agreed that we were just going to captain him for a while. And that period seems to be now coming, passing. And I think, you know, the fact that this question is coming in and we're entertaining it um, kind of fills with that. Now, the thing is, is that, okay, while Salah hasn't banged really big numbers in the last few weeks, he has returned in literally every game he's played, like going back donkeys. And that kind of means that, okay, one return plus the second return means that you're probably into the like the big double figure haul territory where he gets bonuses and everything. And unless you've managed to really hit a home run with your other captaincy, you're going to get annihilated. And it's kind of with that in mind and no clear form option being there, you're going to probably have to hilariously captain a defender um, if you want to go with anybody to go against the Salah grain because I kind of feel like there's nobody else can really consistently doing it in an attacking sense. Okay, you could point to Jota if you wanted to, but you're relying on the team, the same team to do well in an attacking sense then. And that, 
you know, brings with it its own risk that Salah just ends up taking the penalty that wins Liverpool a game as they grind out Christmas results. Um, yeah. So you'd probably be looking at some defender for that captaincy. And I'm not sure if I'm personally um, there yet. Now, the, the glaring absence from my own side is a second Chelsea defender. And I think I'll be probably, I'd love to try and address that. Um, I've been wondering to myself if of all times this is where I might actually consider a hit and do one of my mini wildcards um, and sell Saka who is currently injured and currently on my bench I then would be also probably selling Rafinha who is currently starting on my team and who I've just kind of got a bit fed up with and then I would look to get Jota in I would look to have Rafinha down to some you know low enough um, just cheap enough midfielder and it would yeah. be probably Livramento who would then go up to probably Reese James although maybe I'd consider a double uh, double Man City defence I kind of need to really kind of think that through I, I, I feel like the double Chelsea defence is the one I would go for even if the fixtures aren't necessarily as good there I just those those wing backs have just been getting so many points that it, I think it's hard to ignore uh, so that's actually, that's where my head is at currently. Um, I know I said about selling Rafinha in that the other player who is you know potentially on the chopping block and who would provide a little bit more funds and who there's an obvious replacement for is actually Mikel Antonio. And that would be Josh King then, um, which would be kind of hilarious, but it's just basically he just has, there's a lot of money locked up in him and I could kind of do something interesting. So I think more likely than not, I will end up doing three transfers this week is what I would say. But I think... The captaincy will stay with Sada because I'm a wimp. Yeah, I, I, he's still got that massive EO, hasn't he? It's very hard to look around it. And as you said, he keeps returning. Even if they're not explosions, he keeps returning. And if you watch Liverpool games, look at the underlying numbers, that explosion yeah. could come in any game. And as you say, yeah. you need to have that home run, even if it is, you know... You're talking about kind of your Reese James captaincy getting you a 32 point blinder and Salah getting an assist. That's kind of that could happen, could happen. The likelihood is though that it probably won't. And as you say, the EO vacuum that is Salah will suck up all of your rank and leave you tumbling. Maybe game of 15, Spurs versus Norwich, if they look a bit better against Brim. No, no, you just don't, you just don't you know could. what Spurs can do. Exactly. Game really just. 16. United versus Norwich again like you know these are both games where you could be looking at it because you know, at the end of the day Salah's got Wolves uh, when Spurs have got Norwich in game week 15 and Salah's got Villa at home the return of Gerrard um, when United have got Norwich but I mean, at the moment it's, it's obviously very good to have the captaincy split when because that means you've got that sort of levity to the leeway, sorry, to, to make your way up the ranks. The problem is with that is that it comes with a bit of a risk. And it is nice at the moment in some ways. I do like it at the moment because you can cheer on pretty much all of your players apart from Trent, pretty much who's just his points might well not exist. Um, so I, I think that as it stands, um, we leave on Salah, but uh, we can start to kind of consider thinking of thinking not doing it. But I think that Salah's kind of residual captaincy all the way up to AFCOM is probably going to be over 100% every week. So every, every time you do kind of you know think about coming off Salah, it's going to be a really well thought out and considered decision to do so in my view perhaps not something to do kind of at 10.59 on a Saturday um, and my own team I also have the captain on uh, on, on Salah uh, obviously and I am doing the opposite to you and I'm rolling I think and there's lots I want to do and oddly this week my plans all hinge on Andreas Christensen of all people yes I've still got him um, and if he played today versus United, I probably would have made, a, you know, I'd probably be thinking about taking minus four, but he didn't. So I'm going to assume he plays versus Watford. So I've got that Chelsea double defence. I think I'm just going to leave it. Um, I've got Cody first bench against Burnley as well. So if he doesn't play, then I've got like a decent sub coming on. Um, but my team is achingly template, achingly template. I mean, it, it comes to something really when my differentials for next weekend, sorry, so for midweek are. Christensen and Guaitar. Those are going to probably going to be my only two differentials because I've got Guaitar in goal, James Cancelo and Trent plus Christensen. In midfield, I've got Rafinha, Jota, Salah and Gallagher. And up front, I've got Antonio and Kane. So, I mean, Kane, I think probably still just about counts as differential, but it is, uh, yeah, it is achingly template at the moment. So I think it needs two free transfers. I think I need to do something with it to kind of make it 
into a team which can be a bit more sort of offensive in terms of the rank. But I don't think midweek with a hit is going to be the place to do it. So I'm going to leave it this midweek with a decently serviceable team and go into it. uh, This really isn't, this isn't like very clearly itchy fingers time for you, like Tom, like just, you know, to give people a perspective, like after game week nine, you're at 794k. Now after game week 13, you're at about 194k. You know, that's that's a pretty significant draw or insignificant improvement whilst moving towards the template. You know, the, the benefit maybe of actually being on the template is that not everyone is on the template. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think that there is kind of, there are a couple of players who are probably missing. I mean, there's no uh, Arsenal defender. We spoke about that earlier. Uh, you know, I didn't have either of the goal, but Guaitar and goal, a bit of an abomination. I mean, one thing that is kind of coming to my mind a little bit more is potentially going four at the back, but four at the back in a different way i.e. putting Edison in goal <laughs> and for the for, for the the man the great Man City fixtures. Like I'm liking that more yeah. and more. Plus I know a couple of people who have Edison in goal. I've seen my record with goalkeepers this year and they're begging me not to put Edison in goal. This makes me think I want to put Edison in goal. Um but that could be something that I do. I mean you know, and Buemo's on the chopping block, Christensen's on the chopping block, um and Greater, I I don't really like the guy. So I think that you know that kind of mini wildcard can be done over the weekend stick heads in the goal for the foreseeable future and laugh as the clean sheet points roll in for City um, over the next kind of 10 game weeks or so. Whew, right, there you go. Quick turnaround podcast. I think that is everything, isn't it, Anthony? Yeah, and that is indeed. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. This was Who Got the Assist. If you would like to join our mini league, then 2IP. 43T is the code that you need to remember and type in. As Tom said, we'll probably have to think about locking that up at some point. We haven't really put a date on it, but we probably will because we don't want ruffians like James Croft coming in and taking to the, taking over spots in the top 10. That would be a shambolic state of affairs if we were to allow that to continue. Um, also, if you would like to watch us rather than listen to us, then if you just search WGTA on YouTube or who got the assist on YouTube for that matter, you will find recordings of the podcast in a slightly longer form than the edited form that the podcast tend to go up on in your audio feeds. And correspondence, how do people reach us? Oh, the correspondence, actually, dare I forget. Uh, yes, if you would like to have your email or indeed any or any other sort of art that could be shared in podcast form, then you can send that to whogottheassist at gmail.com. It would be greatly appreciated. Excellent. Well, I'll be back home on Thursday with better audio. I'll have my microphone then. We'll do a quick turnaround pod of some description. It'll be quite late on. I'll only be live for, you know, one day so i doubt we'll be kind of i think this will be this is quite a fairly long one with a quick turnaround so maybe a very short one um we'll see we'll see anyway i hope this is you had a game week 14 apologies again for the sound on this podcast so not at home so it is what it is um but back very very soon have a great midweek game week and uh, yeah speak to you next week well, this week in fact bye hey Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.